0: Think you hate marketing, think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women Podcasters Academy. The Academy features a full course and supportive community to help you start and grow your own podcast. You can find more information at womenpodcastersacademy.com. Welcome. I am so happy you're listening today because I have a special guest who's going to talk about the top mistakes he's made in business and how you can do better. How many people will actually share that with you? I mean, come on. So reformed physicist, financial planner, startup founder, and autodidactic polymath, best described as a Swiss army knife, Joe Templin, has invested the past two and a half plus decades helping others reach their financial potential as a planner, trainer, mentor, and creator. Joe has served as a member of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors, NAIFA, on the local, state, and national level, including three terms on the NAIFA National Young Advisors Team subcommittee, and was honored as one of the 2011 Four Under 40. Welcome, Joe. I am so happy to have you here today.
1: Kelly, I'm glad to be here, and I'm ready to Bear my soul and expose all the, well, not all, but a bunch of the huge mistakes that I have made, so that others hopefully don't get the same scars.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I really appreciate it. So first, I love that you liken yourself to a Swiss Army knife. I mean, most people call themselves a ja- <laughs> wonderful. Most people call themselves a jack of all trades. I prefer calling myself a master jack. You know, because jack-of-all-trades has such a negative connotation. Well,
1: the whole phrase is jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Exactly. better than nothing when the time comes. So, you know, I say a Swiss Army knife because it's not as big as a katana. You know, so I'm not going to slice somebody to ribbons with But as General Mathis says, always carry a knife. You know, you might need to kill someone or there might be cheesecake. This fills both things. You know, there might be a bottle of wine that needs to open. I'm not carrying up a a bottle opener with me. It's got scissors. It's got all these other things. And it's sort of like the way that our smartphones are now because all the devices that we had in the 1980s and 90s, whether it was a recorder, whether it was a stereo, whether it was a calculator, um, a computer to take notes, all these different things we have within our smartphone. But the question is, what are you using it for? So I might be the uh, Swiss Army Knife, but in a lot of ways, I'm actually more the MacGyver because I can take whatever is available and put it together. However, I have this rather eclectic background, which gives me the various tools that I can then pull this one, pull this one, pull this one, and be able to take care of what needs to be done at that point.
0: That's awesome. Reminds me of the movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Have you seen that?
1: yet but i've heard such awesome things about it
0: it's terrific so it it just without spoilers she can go in and and grab skills that she didn't realize she had
1: i'll just imagine being able to instantly download like the matrix you know exactly or all these other things. Well, you can't instantly download it like that, but you can build diverse skill sets over time. And one of the most important things is being able to have synthetic creativity among the different components. I mean, if you go into and start a business, you probably are starting as an SME, a subject matter expert, because you hated working for your boss. And you're like, this sucks. This is horrible. I want to be able to control my own destiny. I want to be able to wear Pajama bottoms, so why i on Zoom calls or whatever. And so you do this, but then you need to learn all the other components. You need to learn accounting. You need to understand HR. You need to learn marketing, which is one of the biggest components of it. So it's not just showing up and doing what you do, it's everything else around that until you build out not necessarily the skill set, but the relationships, whether it's an outsourced CFO or hiring a digital marketing agency to do components for you, because those are critical components to drive a business forward. But it is nigh on impossible for us to be able to do all those things and be world-class in terms of what we're doing and also have some form of life.
0: Absolutely. Great point. So what made you decide to want to start mentoring and coaching people to reach their financial potential?
1: It's something that's been in my blood forever. So my dad was former Army and uh, ended up building a consulting firm. He just retired after 50 plus years of consulting. So I saw the independence that my dad had. And yeah, there were long hours, but he got to do things that other people didn't get to do. And he had control over his own destiny. And my mom, the nun, you know, that's always, you know, the joke, yes, my mom was a nun. uh, There's six kids in my family, so we're obviously Irish Catholic. Uh, But my mom, the nun, uh, was a college instructor. So she uh, taught us to have this uh, focus on learning, as she always said, never let school interfere with your education, the old Mark Twain quote. So she instilled deep curiosity in us, and I'm number two out of six. And so, when my younger brothers and sisters were starting to play t-ball, my parents were the coaches. And so, being you know the older brother, I get drawn in. I'm you know first base coach or third base coach. I'm starting to teach the kids how to like you know hold their glove and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. my coaching exposure began early, early on. And mm-hmm. coaching and teaching are really about helping people discover their potential. And so whether it was as a financial advisor or as a speaker or going on in as a consultant for an organization or a writer, that is all part of an overall theme of helping to unlock excellence. Mm, That's great.
0: And how did you get started in this business?
1: So getting started as a financial advisor, uh, I sort of fell into it like a lot of people. So I was, I am the former gifted kid. You know, I started college at 13 because my parents at 12 was too young. Uh, I designed an atomic bomb down in my basement, you know, after reading Mushroom Story of the A-Bomb Kid. You know, um, I actually was working for the government uh, building high energy uh, systems because my mom did give me a chemistry set, by the way. She said, I didn't nice. have a chemistry set until so I passed chem- high school chemistry. So I did and got 99 on the regents. Then she's like, you need to take AP chem. So I took AP chem, got five on it. I'm like, where's my chemistry set? And she's like, you're too dangerous now. So of course I go build high energy weapons for the government instead, because that's what you do if you're not allowed to have low energy stuff. So see, <laughs> let you kids have the chemistry set. <laughs> but I was working for the government and... We had a family tragedy. My godfather and namesake was a brilliant engineer, died unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. and there was no uh, financial planning done. The will was 20 plus years old. The attorney was not exactly the most ethical person. There was all this infighting among the seven siblings, and the farm where I learned to hunt and fish, where I developed my work ethic as a child, um, was sold. Mm-hmm. And so, I shifted gears while I was in graduate school, started working on my master's in finance, and called up one local uh, insurance company and said, I'm coming to work for you. And I started wow. a college internship program. Um, I was running the college internship program within six months while still being a college intern, technically. Graduated, went full-time, and went full-board into full-on financial mm-hmm. advising, and then Expanded from there into coaching and developing uh, financial advisors, then working with entire agencies and companies and training, uh, changing up their training and things like that. My background in martial arts um, led me into performance psychology, mm-hmm. but my background in finance led me into behavioral economics. And mm-hmm. so all of those different uh, threads have basically unified in terms of building the tapestry that allows me to do what I do to this day which is as i said using whatever tools are available and resources people bring to the table you know their personal ability whatever else they have we can turn around and unlock something excellent for them
0: that's great so see that's where being a swiss army knife really serves your clients as yeah, opposed I mean, to just being expert in only the one thing.
1: Oh, yeah. So I had a, I was talking with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, Joe, you're not like a financial advisor or any of this. You're like a guru. You just run my life. And another one's like, you know, yeah, you give us guidance, but the finance is the smallest component of it. You're helping us with like my addiction recovery. You're helping me with my physical stuff. You know, we talk music and art and, you know, uh, like cooking and health and like you've helped me drop 15 pounds and, you know, you push me to do these things. So it's finance is one component of our life, Mm
0: -hmm. just
1: like our relationships with our significant other or our physical health or our mental health. And so we need to focus on the whole person and bring out the excellence in multiple areas. Because if you've got one area where you've got a significant flaw, I don't want to say a flaw, but if there's a significant problem, that could actually completely demolish everything else. And so some of the people are known for taking their strengths and really doubling and tripling down it. That's how you're going to create your exceptionality. But you need to make sure that these other components are at least taken care of or else it could destroy the whole thing. It's going back to business. I mean, if you have a phenomenally great, Sales organization that you've built, but there's an HR issue. Guess what? You could destroy your entire organization. If you might have the best technical product, but if you got no sales team, guess what? Nobody's buying it. And so you go out of business there too. So it's making sure that there are no critical flaws in the individual or the organization uh, to be able to then move forward and truly unlock their excellence.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's great. So let's talk about your book for a minute. Everyday Excellence, uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Available on Amazon. Yep. And so I love at the beginning where you to end like the how to use this book part. Mm-hmm. You tell people to mark it up and oh, write. Yeah. It. I mean, I love that. I break the spines of my books. I dog ear them. I circle things right in the margins. And you just like there are people out there who are like, oh, they would sooner die than do that to a book. So Tom why Stepperson why do you put that the, in there?
1: This library in the United States. In fact, the Congressional Library or the Library of Congress is basically his books that have then been built off of. And he took notes everywhere in his stuff. So, I mean, the Library of Congress is filled with his scribblings. And this is one of the ways, since I, the only thing you can do is my mom always taught me read with an index card so you can take notes. But I've got like copies of like uh, Zen, the art motorcycle maintenance from high school, where you can go through and you can see highlighters from different decades and scribbling in different things. And it's meant to be. An ongoing learning process. There's an old stoic saying that you can't step in the same river twice because you're different and the river is twice. So different. So like I'm reading my book every single morning and doing the action item, just like anybody else is. But I wrote the thing and I've gone through it, I don't even know it, how many times, but I go through it every single day and I still glean new insights. And when I have to do the action item, sometimes I'm like, ooh, that sucks. I don't want to do that, but I'm going do it. So It's meant to be almost like the Hitcher's Guide to the Galaxy in some ways Mm. in that it is useful and meant to have the, you know, be beaten up and abused and destroyed. That's the whole idea behind it. It's not Shakespeare. It's not a holy you know guide of anything. It is, as the pirate code is is suggested, more like guidelines. It's there Mm. to be used and utilized. You know, wear the thing out over time. I mean, buy a new one in five or 10 years, uh, you know, yes, buy my book, but it is meant to make your life better. And the only way that it's going to make your life better is literally being used up.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love going back, like when I open a book again, after a few years, especially books I still have from high school or college, I love seeing what I wrote in the margins. It's like, Wow. Either, I thought that, or, ooh, that was insightful. <laughs>
1: yeah. My response is, oh, God, I was an idiot, or, oh, <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. But it's the same thing. And yep. seeing how our thinking evolves and changes over time uh, lets us, one, appreciate our growth. That's one of the reasons for the nonlinear growth curve on front of this, because over time, it might seem very slow. But if you keep consistently making the effort, you will have tremendous improvement over. it. Yeah. but the other thing is that sometimes it's good to remind ourselves how we thought when we were younger before we were jaded before you know covid occurred you know back when we were 22 years old and the world was our oyster still going back and tapping into that again is a good way to one reignite some of those neural pathways but two look through the eyes of a child or a younger version of ourselves again and re-spark that passion in some capacity.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you write in the book how excellence is a habit. Could you say a little bit about that,
1: please? Sure. So, like, I didn't want to get up this morning. It was raining and, you know, um, I was sore from a really hard workout yesterday morning. And I didn't want to get up and just you know, go down and do my, uh, well, actually do my run and then do my you know, taekwondo. And I got up it and I still put on my running shoes and I still went outside and listened to the birds and got my miles in. And then I sat down and I re- wrote like I do every morning. And actually the writing was pretty decent today. That was nice. But if I hadn't gotten up and done the walk, I wouldn't have been able to Have the inspiration to do that. So it's a habit. Just like, um, as my Taekwondo master says, we dig our grave with our teeth. If you Mm. eat five cheeseburgers every single day, guess what? You're going to have all sorts of physical issues later on. You're going to have diabetes, you're going to be overweight, you're going to have all these other things. So it is choosing to be not necessarily perfect, but pretty good consistently. You know, doing the things whether it's maintaining a, I don't want to say diet, but you know, a, a decent eating plan and not, you know, having the 10 donuts every single day. It is the consistently reading and studying. The, one of the examples that I use is my 15 year old had his high school orchestra concert a couple months ago. And I attended it. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And I benchmarked it against where he was five years earlier. When he was just first starting to play the violin and it sounded like they were strangling cats. And it's because he practices for 10 to 15 minutes every single day and a couple of longer sessions every single week. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't doing that, you wouldn't see the progress. Same thing if you're learning a new language or studying a martial art or any skill set that you're trying to develop, it is the consistency that leads to your excellence.
0: Very true. Yeah. The language learning is a great example of that, that Duolingo really promotes. You know, they they have on one of their screens, you know, 15 minutes a day, you can learn a language. What will 15 minutes of social media get you?
1: And I love how
0: they they gamify it to really
1: make you get on and do it. And you get that streak going and you want to keep that streak going. There's a lot of things that have that. Um, Like with my Fitbit. I'm now at 48 days in a row of 16,000 minimum steps per day. But where was I going to go with this? Oh, 15 minutes a day. I was actually reading something the other day. And if people actually read for 15 minutes a day, then they would equate to the equivalent of about 12 books per year. Wow. Average American reads less than four books a year. A quarter of Americans, adults, okay, and this mm. is 18 plus, so it's even worse once you get post college level. A quarter of them don't read a single book a year, and a quarter uh, of them read one book a year.
0: Wow.
1: Okay, and that could be like, you know, 50 shades of gray for all we know. Yeah. So, it, but if you read 12 books a year, you would be in the top quartile of Americans. And that's something that's 100% under your control. And if you just, all you got to do is sit there and do it. The average American works out for less than two hours a week.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the average American is also borderline obese at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So if you did 15 minutes of physical activity per day, you would be average. 15 minutes walking is literally nothing. So if you can do 15 minutes in the morning and then another walk in the evening, guess what? You're going to reverse that trend.
0: Yeah.
1: And it doesn't take that much, but it takes consistent doing it. It takes making a habit or even more than making a habit, making it part of your identity.
0: Yeah. And let's even say um, 15 minutes of walking a day and 15 minutes of reading a day. Yeah, well, you know, let's exactly get it. body and, and mind. And in you're, there. while you're
1: walking, guess what? You can listen to an audiobook. I do. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Whether it's audible or YouTube's got literally tens of thousands of great books, including True. most of the classics on audio book. True. Great point. Okay. And so with business owners, it comes down to consistency. Also, like if you're trying to build a, a sales oriented business, guess what? You need to do sales every single day. I don't care if it's picking up the phone 20 times a day to call uh, potential clients or if it's sending out you know the 200 emails per day or if it's like uh, appearing every single week at a particular place where it's a uh, target-rich environment for clients for you. It, it is that consistently doing on a daily and weekly basis what you need to yeah. do? Because everyone can put on their Superman suit or Wonder Woman outfit for a single day and have a spectacular day. But as we used to say in financial services, a, gr- a good agent's great week is a great agent's average week. Hmm. So my big driver was I had, I needed to get a, a one appointment on the phone every single day uh, to somebody new who I'd never talked to to talk about my services. And um, if I did that and then ran, just ran my normal business, you know, talking to existing clients, um, you know, talking to those new clients, taking them through my process and all that, I would hit all my goals. So I broke it down to, that's why I did every single day. And Mm. if I did, my focus was to get to that point by like 10 o'clock in the morning. And so we used to keep a board up in the copy room and me and a couple of other senior agents in the office would make sure we put our numbers up every single day. So the brand new guys and girls in the office, people who literally just got out of training, whose upfront activity in terms of dialing was much higher, but they would see us go and do this every single day consistently. So that they knew this is what you had to do. Because when I first started in the business, I needed to make 30 dials a day. And I needed to get 15 appointments per week. And then as your business builds up, you don't have to do quite that much. So from 15 new a week to 10 new a week to eight to five, right. but even 10 years, 15 years into the business, it was still one per day. And yeah. so there was nothing that was coming between me and getting that done. And I, I hated the phone so much. I hated the phone so much I did not have a phone in my apartment. I still hate the phone today. Okay? So I became like the, one of the best phoners in the entire company by understanding the psychology and practicing every single day on my pitch that never gave me any appointments and doing all the basic things to become amazing. But I still, even to this day, I tremble before I have to pick up the phone to call a new potential client because I hate it so much. But you know what? As Mike Tyson said, discipline is doing something that you hate as if you love it. Mm. So having the discipline to do what you need to do on a daily and weekly basis is one of the critical key things mm. for a business owner. So it's not in my list of mistakes that I've made, but it is one of the underlying things. As Jocko Welling says, discipline equals freedom. You have the discipline to do the things on a daily basis. You have the freedom to do the things that you want to do later. And that's great. You have the discipline to run five miles every single day. You can have a cheeseburger each day. That's an mm-hmm. awesome place I saw. it.
0: That's great. And so that's making me think, I've never thought of it this way before, that you can love what you're doing without loving the tools that enable you to do it. Oh, Would that make sense?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of every day is going to suck. What you do yeah. as a business owner is minimize the suck over time by building mm-hmm. processes that automate it or making it so that you can outsource it to somebody else. And so there's always going to be part of every single day that you're going to absolutely hate. That's called life. But yep. if the proportion of your day you're spending on the stuff that generates revenue the highest value activities the things that you are uniquely qualified to do that you enjoy if you can increase the proportion of your day there to where it's over a majority of your work day you are going to have an excellent business or career you're going to have yeah. a fun you're going to look forward to going to work. You're not going to get stressed out because you're dealing in you stress, not de stress. You stress mm-hmm. is that exciting component that gets you energized. So yeah. on Sunday nights, I always had trouble sleeping, not because I was worried about the next day, but it was like, you know, a kid the day before their birthday or Christmas, like, woohoo, this is awesome. What do I get to unwrap tomorrow? Yeah. And so having that attitude. And yeah, there was still always parts that I'm like, oh, God, I'd rather like poke my eyeballs out but you either suck it up and do it or you find a way to outsource it so that it is done because if it's not done you know if nobody's phoning for new appointments guess what in a week yeah. they got nobody new to see and you know I don't get to hear cool stories and all that sort of stuff so it needs yeah. to be done so it's like um like my mom liked liver my older brother likes liver and he's weird like that I hated <laughs> it but you know what if you didn't eat your liver you didn't get the dessert Everybody wants the dessert, but they're not willing to eat the liver. Right. (laughs) True. You're a cool piece of psychology. (laughs) Yes. So I just made you more creative and more intelligent for the next 15 to 20 minutes by getting you to laugh. Yes. Oh, yes. And we, and we have now bonded and you like me even more. And so <laughs> yes. if I wanted to like suggest that you purchase something from me, you would be about 30% more likely to do so per Chris Moss, the former head of hostage negotiation for the FBI. So, you know, be the goofball that you all are if you're a goofball like me. Differences sell. People don't remember the similarities, it's the differences, but also it's the emotions, it's the connections, whether it's laughter or getting people to cry or stuff like that is the emotional bonding that actually gets people to take action. So be yourself, create an experience, be memorable, even if it's something like, you know, you accidentally spill coffee all over yourself like I've had happen. Not today, luckily, but, you know, I just... Make it so that it sticks out in their memory, and you're more likely to get more business from them and get introductions to other people.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you for that and for the laugh. Yes. Can't have too many
1: laughs. No, okay. I mean, it's one of the best things for your body, actually. Your cortisol levels just dropped. So Absolutely. it helps your immune system, it actually helps prevent uh, belly fat gain. And yep. it, you know all the things that we talk about in terms of intelligence and creativity.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yep, I do as much as I can. Usually, making myself laugh. That's <laughs> my attitude. son will. My son will hear me in another room. <laughs> he doesn't even ask anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, my kids come in and make fun of me afterwards. It's awesome.
0: Yep, yep. It's pretty funny. All right. So let's get into top mistakes you've made in business. And uh, let's see what we have time for. Four or five, whatever. We'll, we'll just see. So, so I actually did
1: three. I'm going to do it completely <gasps> awesome. different. Okay, cool. Go Elvis, for it. Albus Dumbledore, Dumbledore says I'm new. Okay. So, um, so number three, the movie is actually the Godfather series. Okay. Okay. Because you are specifically focusing on Godfather 2, which is the best of them. But there's two big takeaways there that I have made mistakes with and violated in the past. One is that uh, Michael Corleone has the media connections. When they're talking about uh, assassinating the uh, police chief and all that, he's like, we have... Are people in the media, we have the newspapers, we have the radio, you know, there's, they'll want that story of the crooked cop. And so he sees how influencing the media and public perception is critical to their survival and long range success. And uh, uh, along those lines, they have these alliances that you see popping up more in, uh, Godfather three, mm-hmm. but it is having the relationships with other companies, other families. Or as Vito Corleone in the first one, uh, when the Turk comes to see him, you have all these politicians like nickels and dimes that you carry in your pocket. So it is having these alliances, these relationships, and this media influence is critical to your success. And that's something that I have not been very good about in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's number three in terms of mistakes.
0: That it is tough to do. I mean, especially if you're starting out, you don't know anyone, you know, then
1: what do you do? I mean, have you figured out anything to do? I'm still working on it. But one of the things that I've done is like, for example, um, when I started trying to get into the podcast world about four Five months ago, you know, I was searching on the Internet and trying to find podcasts and reaching out to these people. And it was incredibly inefficient. However, I then uh, when I talked with somebody, they in a throwaway comment. So, uh, you know, that pearl that I put, picked up from that, uh, the pearl was, hey, check out this website, matchmaker.fm, where mm-hmm. you can find other podcasters. And now I do on average three podcasts per day reaching out to people all over the world. I'm huge Mm -hmm. in Australia right now um, because it's part of my mission to be able to influence 100 million people. So Mm -hmm. I I can't do it on my own. I need the alliances. I need the media connections. I need these things. So that's one tool that has turned around and made it much more efficient for me to be able to reach out and uh, touch more people. Uh, Having paid PR services, and things like that so press releases and uh internet advertising things like that yes you have to spend a little bit of money on it but you can reach the people that you want to be reaching and Mm -hmm. further expand it so you know i spent i think three dollars per day on facebook advertising to help build out the group there but once you reach a critical mass you can then have it naturally continue to accrue
0: yeah That's great. Yeah. And plug for matchmaker.fm. Since I put myself on that platform, put my podcast on that platform, I have gotten just right away a a bunch of guests reaching out and I haven't had to reach out to anyone yet at all. Guests are looking for podcasts there and uh, yeah, it's
1: a really good spot to be guys on one podcast where we were talking about excellence probably. Three and a half months ago and it turns out that they also have special needs kids and so i came back on the podcast three months later and we were talking about all these different strategies of how to help your autistic kid get through uh different situations and all this and so it it's completely different sort of discussion mm. but that's a podcast that i actually share within the autism society and mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of Cub Scouts who have special needs. And so I shared it with the parents because it's another resource to help them out. Is it yeah. know, my core focus in any way, shape, or form? No, but it's experiences that then can help other individuals. And so this network that you mm-hmm. know, we were talking about that I helped yeah. build earlier is being tapped into. And you don't know when you somebody's going to ask for a favor yeah but you take care of them so that you can ask down the road, as you know the Godfather talks about early on, if I do this for you, okay? So one of the things, by the way, people should watch all the movies that I talk about and uh, go and try and derive some value from them. I was actually yeah. in a program called the Leadership and Life Institute through NAFA years ago, where we would meet once a month for an entire day for uh, the sessions. But in the interim, you had to read a book and there was a particular movie that you had to watch each month. Mm. And so things like October Sky or these other ones that we would be drawing leadership lessons from.
0: Mm. That's great. Yeah. You learn a lot from movies and TV shows. I co-host the Geek Girl Soup podcast and it's pop culture and movies and TV shows that we're watching. And yeah.
1: Go see *For Love and Thunder, by the way. As okay, haven't Thor seen geek, it yet. But, as a big yeah. Thor geek, I heartily approve of it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, one of my co-hosts saw it opening night and highly approved. <laughs> All right, mistake number
1: 2. So, mistake number 2. We're going to go uh sort of old school here. Conan the Barbarian. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, you know, there's this scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan, um, has been captured by, by Thulsa Doom and sold into slavery and everything. And he's you sh- a young person. He's like you know, 12, maybe, scrawny, skinny, all this. And they tie him to the wheel of pain. And you see him pushing it. And then the, the cut scene is that you see him from the eyes up. And you look at him, and he's Arnold at this point, he's massive, and he's still pushing this wheel years later, okay? And so there's two things that you learn from that. One, it's the grind. It's going to take time. It is the nonlinear growth curve on here. It, It takes time to develop that expertise. You got to keep doing it. I mean, you're not going to be an overnight success until after 10 years. So you have to every single day pick up the phone every single week, send out those uh, uh, marketing things, you know, do the follow ups. You got to keep doing it and might not feel like you're making progress, but you're developing this incredible amount of power over time. And that's the other thing. What did Conan learn from being on the wheel? He built his strength. He learned fortitude. He learned patience. Okay? And that entire time, he was still thinking about how he was going to ultimately go and kill false Doom. So he yeah. did not give up on his goal or his mission, but he kept that fire burning through that whole time. This is one of the things that um, is not really discussed in it, but why did you start in your business? Why did you enter this field? Your why is so important because as Frederick Nietzsche said, a man with a strong enough why will overcome any how. Simon Sinek talks about it, you know, start with why. One well, of the other yeah. books that I wrote for training financial advisors, the first chapter is find your why. Because if your why is strong enough, I mean, I in my financial services business, I quit almost every single day for the first couple of years. Because that's the point where it truly sucks. That's where you start a the curve, where, you know, three quarters of your day is not fun. But when you get to the point where three-quarters of your day is fun, you're not giving up. But you can't get there until you go through all the hard stuff up front. And that's doing your time on the wheel of pain.
0: Yeah. That's the very first part in my podcasting course as well. Determine your why. You're absolutely right. You have to know that. And you're so right too. We start our business or you start a podcast or whatever it is. And it's not that you necessarily expect expect overnight success, but... You're hoping for it within a few months. (laughs) You know, so many
1: people do. Unicorns coming, bring cupcakes and bags of money. You got to work for it. Okay. And it might take a while. So an example, uh, Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, has sold over a million copies, but took six years to get there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. is a grind, but then it, you develop the reputation around your business and yourself, and people talk about you, and you build this legend and mythology around you, and it becomes attractive and people come to your business over time. Yeah. So I still get called in on a regular basis. Hi, Joe, you don't know me. I'm a friend of so-and-so's. They said I should come talk to you. Yeah, that's Maybe great. The early days, we have to go chase, but right. later on, people will come to you because your reputation right. will lead you.
0: Yeah, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hear that, and same thing with search engine optimization. You do it all right, and it still takes time—like months and months to a year—to see real results.
1: And no one wants to hear that. And you got to just but keep doing it and keep doing exactly. it exactly. And so you need to make that commitment of, "I'm going to spend six months doing this, and if anything comes out of it in that time, that's bonus."
0: Yep, very true. Awesome. All right. Number three.
1: Okay. So the top mistake that I made.
0: Or oh, yes, number one. I'm sorry, this number, number one. one.
1: This is, you know, the big one. And yes. this happens to almost all entrepreneurs, especially technical ones. It's field of dreams. Ooh. Okay. Oh yes. Program. Okay. Yes. If you build it, they will come. Oh I throw no. the bullshit flag on that. Okay? Yes. I mean. I've written books in the past that I've been told were spectacular and nobody bought them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We've all seen that band, you know, that's a little, a little dive bar and they've got incredible songs, but nobody hears them. Okay. I have seen technology that can be earth shattering, but never really gets out of the lab because nobody's talking about it. They're not marketing it properly. So, You know, we've got the Kardashians and all these other people who are famous for doing nothing, but they can market like hell. And then you've got, you know, this great technology or these great um, professionals who are struggling and unheard of because they are focusing solely on their product, what's on the field. Or, you know, building it and hoping that others will come. And so that's where you need to have a little bit of the yin and yang. You need to look at what these other people are doing and not be afraid to steal something. Know you're not prostituting yourself by putting yourself out there. There is nothing wrong with sales. Everything begins with a sale. A sale is getting somebody to change their belief in some capacity and do something. Whether it's you're trying to sell your kid on picking up their room or studying for their test. Or you're trying to get a client to give you money for your services. Or you're trying to get somebody to, a mentor potentially, to give you some of their time. Okay, That is all part of sales. Sales is persuasion. And if we don't have persuasion, nothing is happening.
0: That's great.
1: So don't sit back and believe that just because you wrote a great book or you've got great consulting services or what have you, that you're going to be a success no you need to understand that you need to get out there and market it you need to sell Mm -hmm. as they say in glengarry glenn ross always be closing yeah yeah
0: very true that is fantastic yeah so many times all the time all the time you know when we have an awesome idea we just believe, I'm going to put it out there. It's perfect yeah. for everyone. You know, we don't even pick an ideal client for it or ideal customer, right? Just see, everyone's going to love it. I'm going to throw it up on my website, and people are just going to magically be Googling for it and whammo and millions of dollars.
1: Yep, and then I'm going to turn around and sell the company, and I'm going to sell on beach drinking margaritas. Yeah. In two months. Yep.
0: Yep. Oh, and then we're like, oh, well, that didn't work. So I'm a failure. I'm going to quit and go back to my day job.
1: Yeah. And the question is, why did it not work? And what lessons can you learn? As I said, I've got lots of scars so that hopefully other people can learn my lessons. And, you know, you create your minimum viable product, your MVP, and you iterate and you iterate and you iterate. Okay, this didn't work quite so great. What did I learned from that? All right, I'll make a slight change here. I'll make a slight change here. And, you know, little kid's playing t-ball. That's how they become members of the big leagues is that, yeah, they've got, you know, maybe Aaron Judge type height and athletic ability, but also how many play appearances have they had? How many iterations? How many ground balls have they fielded? You know, so you got to do the work and you improve and you get better along the way. And so one of the things is that the uh, journey of the hero, basically as Joseph Campbell lays out, Uh, And it doesn't matter if it's Star Wars or Harry Potter or, you know, whichever version you want to look at, there's always the older, wiser mentor. Okay, when you're getting into business, your advisors are one of the absolute key determinants of your success and don't do exactly what they say. And advisors, don't try and turn them into clones of you because the world's different than when I was building my businesses 25 years ago. So when I'm talking with Dane or Kevin or any of these uh, guys that I said they're bored. Sorry, no females at the moment. Uh, but when I'm giving them guidance, I'm asking them questions. I'm giving them insight so that they understand why. And I'm like, what do you think you should do based on the current situation? Remember, you're not going to be a clone of me. I want you to be the best version of you, but be informed. And yeah. so... Being able to have those good mentors around you, the good financial advisor, the good uh, tax professional, having the attorney, you know, having somebody who understands sales and marketing and all these different components that is critical to your success. Because as I talked about at the beginning, you know, we've got all the different components that we need to focus on. We don't all know all those things. And if, if you do, sometimes it just makes more sense to have somebody else take it over so that you free up mental bandwidth. But having your mentors that you can discuss with lets you step back because we're in the business. Sometimes we need to work on the business.
0: Mm -hmm. Very true. Wonderful. I tell you, I love all these movie um, analogies you didn't even know that uh, how much I was into movies, did you? <laughs> I did, so you
1: know what? <laughs> or did you go check lucky. out
0: Geek Girl Soup too? <laughs>
1: yes,
0: you did. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. So how can people find you if they want to work with you?
1: Well, hopefully they're not like a GPS trackers on my phone or anything like that. Where they're <laughs> you never know. <laughs> of course there are. Uh, but uh, so they the best way actually is to go to the website because we're putting up some additional links there uh, so that they can find me on Twitter or join the Facebook group. Those two components are both at E.D.E. with Joe at E.D.E. for everyday excellence with Joe. That's me. Uh, but the website is everyday-excellence.com. So every single day, like this podcast is going to go on up there. We've got uh, every single day I put up a micro blog, so an espresso of excellence real quick shot. Uh, the Twitter feed, there's all sorts of stuff like that. It is meant to be an environment for people to find free resources to help themselves develop. Because as I said, I want to reach 100 million people the best way to do that is to give away as much as I can to influence people to help them out in some capacity. And then it becomes attractive over time.
0: Awesome. So everyday-excellence.com. I will have that link in the show notes and on my website as well. And is the best place to buy your book on Amazon?
1: Um, Amazon is for the ebook, which is the most cost effective way. But if people want physical copies, if they're going to get multiple copies, uh, actually through my site, because you can get some discounts there, simply because one of the things that we found is that sharing knowledge is one of the best ways to find a client. Yes. So I was given books early on in my career by uh, people that I'd done some work with, and I still have those books 30 years later. And yeah. so. I've given books to people and I get calls every couple of weeks. Hey, I read your book today and had this and all this. So if your uh, listeners want their clients to think about them every single day, don't give them a bottle, don't send them to a baseball game or something like that. Give them a book, give them knowledge, give them something sustaining that will pay dividends for years. That's true.
0: Yeah, great point. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here and sharing all of this. This has been fantastic.
1: Kelly, thank you. Be excellent and grow today.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I sure will. It's, was it Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson who said it's a day wasted if you didn't learn something
1: new? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm going to go look that up. though. Or, or
0: am up. I messing it up completely? I don't remember. <laughs> I thought it was one of those two dudes.
1: I don't know. We're going to go find out.
0: Yeah, but I love it. And uh, I try to live by it. Anyway, so thank y'all for being here today. You can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes. And I will see you back in a few days on the Marketing Chat Podcast. Thanks so much.